It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. One of the things that I have sought to do on this program, with I'm going to say mixed success, is force people to hear things that they're not interested in. And I hear already people are screaming at their radios, You got that right, Morano? We're not interested in anything you do! And I have sought to, uh, if you think you're only interested in X, get you to at least hear Y. For controversial subjects like the Israel-Palestinian conflict, the Russia-Ukraine war, presidential elections... I love to have on people with multiple points of views, if possible, at the same time. The Kennedy assassination, you name it. Because I really do think one of the greatest dangers in America today is so many of us live in a bubble. We're seeing a time where a couple of things have happened. There's now no longer such a thing as the loyal opposition. The days of uh, debating with someone during the day and then going out for a beer with them or dinner are gone. We're at a point where Democrats and Republicans are refusing to date one another. If that weren't bad enough, we're now seeing survey after survey that's saying that are saying people who are Democrats don't want to live in communities with Republicans and vice versa. I asked someone recently, hey, Why are you moving to Florida? Oh, I like the politics of that state a lot more than the state that I'm living in. I had a a party for my son over the weekend, and someone said something supportive of uh, President Biden. And someone said to me, oh, what did you invite her for? You invited Biden supporters? Yes. We invited all the political views. We didn't uh, have a litmus test based on how someone votes. And the thing that's amazing to me is that that's so rare on radio these days, and it's so rare in parties these days, which is why I absolutely love the work of the American Exchange Project. Ever since I first learned about it, I have become its most enthusiastic proponent and booster, and my hope is that not only will this uh, train a new generation of young people to get outside of the bubbles that we all occupy, but I would love to see this emulated across the spectrum for adults, for different workplaces. I think this is Huge. Very, very pleased uh, to welcome the founder, the co-founder of the American Exchange Project. Also happens to be the grandson of a Pulitzer Prize winning historian, one of the best ever, uh, David McCullough III. David, it's great to have you on the program. Thanks for joining me uh, so late at night, especially. Yeah, thanks, Frank. I was going to ask, is it applicable to say good morning right now or good evening? What do, what do we call it? Well, it's still it's still evening on the West Coast where we do have a lot of uh, listeners. So it's a <laughs> dealer's choice as far as that goes. By the way, I, uh, uh, I'm i sure you hear this all the time, but I was just such an, a great admirer of your, your grandfather's. And I actually got to meet him uh, before he passed away. And uh, I uh, got to tell him what a fan I was of his work. And uh, I'm sorry uh, for your family's loss. Oh, thank you very much. That means a lot. And Thanks for supporting the family. He was a terrific guy and you know, it came down to a few, but I'm very glad with the grandparents I picked in the end. <laughs> I bet. All right. Um so before we get into the details of what the American Exchange <clears throat> Project is, 
When did you realize that uh, people being in a bubble was a problem? When did you realize that the level of toxicity and polarization that we're seeing in the country right now was problematic? Um, it's a great question. I, you know, there's an interesting element of the issue that you're talking about, and the statistics go beyond what you were just mentioning at the beginning of the show. You know, 35% of people in this country think we'd be better off if people on the other side, be that a Democrat or Republican, whatever side you're on, just died. 40% think that we're in favor of secession if their candidate lost. I think some of the uh, aspects of division in America today are unique to the time that we're in. And then others touch very fundamental parts of human nature that are tribal, um, that are uh, like to stick close to who we are, that have a kind of with us or against us, everything is black and white mentality and need to vanquish the other so that we can have our own victories. Um, and I, I, you know, I was born in Hawaii. My mom's side of the family is Armenian and they came here fleeing the Armenian genocide. So there's a lot of trauma on that side of the family. And, and they were certainly the victims of many of my relatives, distant or great and my great grandparents' generation died as the victims of what prejudice and hatred can do at its worst. Um, growing up in Hawaii, where I was one of the only white kids in my classes and on my baseball teams, I was just exposed to a great level of diversity and always understood that this form of with us or against us certainty, this sort of tribalism, uh, can really be uh, uh, corrosive to our society. And then growing up as my grandfather's grandson, my dad's son, my dad's a high school teacher, teaches American literature. I can see how that also corrodes the democratic experiment. It really came to a head though in 2016. Um, I borrowed my mom's car in the summer of 2016, drove 7,000 miles around the country um, on a research project to study education in some of our country's most impoverished communities and found myself in my own country, but a world away from the hometown that I'd grown up in and saw how uh, unequal and how divided just the opportunities are in our country facing life right now. And when I came back that November and Donald Trump was elected and everybody in my world of Yale, where I went to college in Boston, the suburbs of Boston, where I was from, couldn't believe that he, he was the president. I was thinking, well, we, we just must, must have no clue what's actually going on in America. I mean, we must not see it. And it baffled me that, you know, students at my university, some of the most educated people in the country could could have no idea what's really going on in our country. And it's only gotten worse since since 2016. Um, and, and as we went around in the years following the election, I came across more and more teenagers all over the country voicing one common complaint when I asked them what's their least favorite thing about where they're growing up. So we feel like we're growing up in a bubble. And we've never seen life outside the bubble. And all the research that we see, you know, Bill Bishop's book, The Big Sort, Robert Putnam's work on social capital and the upswing and our kids, the American Dream and Crisis are all pointing to the increasing political and socioeconomic homogeneity of American communities and that we're literally moving apart from one another. It's like this big, slow, kind of quiet national divorce that's happening as a byproduct of all of these divisions we're talking about. Yeah, I find myself agreeing with just about everything that you've that you've said. In your experience, do you think the the problem is just political or race based, or is there a cultural element to the division and polarization as well? I think, like anything, it's layered. I wouldn't confine it to one category. You know, certainly with the teenagers that we work with, I think the divisions are more along the lines of class than anything else. 
you know, the American dream is supposed to be one of the great binding agents in our society. But the reality is that for children today, their futures are going to be determined by the zip code they're born in more than it's going to be determined by their skill, their ingenuity or their work ethic. I mean, how do you promise any validity to the American experiment when that's the case? So, I, I mean, I think these are class divisions we're looking at that where politics is layered upon that. Um, race and ethnicity has a huge part of it. But, you know, America, especially rural America, is more diverse than Americans give it credit for. I, I think a lot of this stems and comes back to, frankly, ignorance. You know, uh, three quarters of white people don't have a friend who isn't white. And 40% of Americans have never met a farmer. I really think we're pushing each other away because we don't know each other as well as we think we do. Mm. Uh, what a, a great point. So what's the American Exchange Project? What are you hoping to do, given uh, now that you've described the problem, and I hope people have an understanding of, of what the potential dangers of continuing along this, plan, uh, this path is? What's the American Exchange Project? Yeah, so our, our antidote to all of this is an exchange program. And we send students in the summer after they graduate from high school on a free week-long trip to an American town that's totally different from the one that they're growing up in. So I, I live in Boston, so kids from Boston would go to Dodge City, Kansas. And kids from Dodge City would go to Palo Alto, California. And Palo Alto, California would go to Blue Earth, Minnesota. And the whole idea is for them to have fun, to learn more about one another, and to authentically experience what it's like to grow up in a different community. We found that when they do that, they themselves grow up there. So suddenly for a Boston kid, you know, Dodge City, Kansas, for a little bit of time is woven into who they are. And that is a, uh, as I said, a wonderful antidote to all of the other polarizing forces that are going to be drawing them away from the people in Dodge City that they'll come to know and probably love across their exchange week. Uh, we've been at it for three years. We've more than tripled in size within the last few years. We had 300 students from 57 high schools last year. We anticipate between 600 and 1,000 kids in the program. And we feel that this sort of experience going to a different American town should be as much a part of the senior year of high school as the senior prom. I think that would be a wonderful thing. Do you find that the uh, the young person that's engaging on this, that not only does he benefit, but does that the community that he goes to, uh, say a, uh, a rural person going to an urban family, for instance, does the osmosis work both ways? Does the urban environment that's hosting the rural teenager also benefit from that exchange of ideas? Enormously so. It's all focused on connection. And we're learning more and more the value of the social connections in one's life for the civic health of our society, for the economic opportunities of the people involved in those connections, and for the mental and developmental health of the young people. I think the most powerful bonds we see in our program are between the students and the host families. And there's just something very innate and welcoming the vulnerable person, especially when it's a young person for an adult and welcoming them into your home and giving them a bed and a hot meal and, and showing them around and to see the faces light up when they realize how cool Sheridan, Wyoming is or Riggins, Idaho or the Bronx. And to be delighted by this, this corner of the world that you kind of take for granted as mundane, but somebody else from somewhere else thinks it's the greatest place ever. And, and suddenly you get to be the person who gave them that. And that phenomenon, I think, touches the other very deep part of our psyche that runs counter to the part we were talking about earlier, the part that is kind of with us or against us, that is us first, them, that vanquishes the other. It's the part of us that needs community and connection and wants to look out for one another. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, it's Ernie Anastas. You know, your thoughts can affect how you feel, and how you feel can impact your thoughts. Addressing your mind and body connection is the key to improving your overall wellness. Bergen Newbridge Medical Center is the largest hospital in New Jersey, providing comprehensive, equitable, compassionate, and high-quality emergency inpatient and outpatient medical care, plus mental health services and substance use disorder treatment. The Bergen Newbridge team can address your total health needs in one convenient location. Call 201-225-7130 for an appointment or newbridgehealth.org. We're talking with David McCullough III. He's the co-founder of something called the American Exchange Project. If you want to learn more, you can go to americanexchangeproject.org. That's americanexchangeproject.org. So far, how many young people have gone through this program, David? Ballpark. 500. 500. And uh, I would imagine that uh, they all have similar stories about what a great growth opportunity this is for them. They do. And some of them are really wonderful. We had a student from Albany, California, who uh, went to a little town outside Sioux Falls called Flandreau, South Dakota, and had a wonderful time, then matriculated to his first year of culinary school in New York. And the school he went to had a rule that says you have to work as a line cook in a restaurant. And because the school is so prestigious, many kids went to the top restaurants in New York and London, Paris, L.A., you name it. He said no thanks to all that and went right back to Sioux Falls, South Dakota for his first-year job in a restaurant. Um, and loads of stories like that are coming out of the program all the time. It's wonderful to see. We're, we're literally kind of, these kids are, are almost like the needle weaving the country closer together. And there's a lot of uh, supporters across the spectrum of what you're doing. I think that's a recognition in part that people know that this level of uh, polarization is unsustainable if this continues. How do we know that this is doing anything? How do we know that a young person that goes through this and uh, bonds with a host family gets something out of it more than just a, a nice vacation and an opportunity to meet some nice people? How do we know that this this exchange for a week leads to some change in their uh, willingness to engage people and at least recognize the different thought process, processes of people that aren't like them in the future? Sure. Well, you you study it and you take time to build it and you build it intentionally and well. So the first thing is over time, we see how the behavior of these students is changed and different from their peers that didn't go through the program. And that's going to take years to find, but we're already three years into it. This is our fourth summer coming up. The second thing we've done is partner with people who are way smarter than us about this stuff. Um, We're working with Julia Minson, who's a psychologist at the Harvard Kennedy School and studies the psychology of disagreement. And last year, we conducted pre and post surveys with our kids, and we measured uh, their psychological development across the program. And we found that kids who went through the experience were much less biased toward the tribes other than their own after the experience. So their bias toward the other went down significantly. Interestingly, their bias against their own group went up significantly. And when taken together, we can say that students who go through the experience see people not necessarily as 
uh, part and parcel of a group that they might be defining them by. You know, look at me and you'll see I'm a white guy from New England. But, but as individuals, as people that come from their own unique places with their own unique situations. In other words, that few things in life are black and white and everything's gray. We also found that we tested kids on 10 different emotional categories when confronted with the prospect of interacting with someone who might disagree with them or who might be very different from them. And we found that in the emotional categories of relaxed, enthusiastic, and cheerful, the kids went up significantly after the experience. And then for civic health, you know, the kids uh, increased significantly in two statement areas. The first being, I'm optimistic for the future of America, and I have faith in my fellow Americans. And then as a byproduct of the experience, we found the kids made on average three new friends, and over 90% of the students who took part made a significant friendship because of the AEP experience. So the numbers we're seeing come back, coming back are really great. And the focus groups testify, and the groups from year one are still really close. I think that's terrific. And we've heard so much over the years about the benefits of international exchange students and international Mm -hmm. exchange programs. So to have one within communities in the United States that uh, some people do consider different countries, I think is uh, a real uh, a real benefit. And there was even an episode of Star Trek The Next Generation where the Klingons and the uh, and the crew of the Enterprise did this and it worked out to the benefit of uh, of both races. (laughs) Uh, So uh, I definitely recommend that if people are listening right now, David, and they're thinking this sounds interesting, and they may want to volunteer to be a host yeah. family, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, go on our website, um, AmericanExchangeProject.org, and there's a button that they can click to learn more about hosting and can even send us a note about uh, signing up if we're already in your town. We're in 60 communities in 35 states across the country, and if we're not, we'd love to be in your town. So write us a letter, and our team will work with you to bring EEP to your community. We're growing all the time. What is your concern if things continue to get worse, if we continue to be this divided within our own country? Where do you see the country going? I think that the real threat will be if the headlines and the agents that are actively trying to polarize us and are frankly profiting off of dividing America, if they they create kind of pervasive pessimism in our country that makes us believe we are really the country we see on the news Mm. and that we're not a country full of good people who under the right circumstances will get along with each other and come to like one another and want to work together to solve our shared problems. If the pessimism rises and if we lose hope that uh, we are what we might see ourselves to be on television, then I think we're really in trouble. We can't forget that, and we can't, we can't give up hope, and we can't lose our conviction that we're able to get along with people because folks have to take the chance. It's it, the kids who do this are very brave, and we're putting them on a plane alone to a faraway place to stay with people they've never met before, in which every stereotype and headline has told them they're going to be ostracized and pushed away and shouted out of the room, and they take the chance to say, you know, I don't think that's going to be true. I'm going to put my faith in strangers and say that I'm going to have a great time anyway. And it works out. But if we, if the voices trying to divide us make that fear of the other so large and that fear that automatically breeds anger and hatred, then I think, um, I think we're really in for it. 
Well, I, I love what you're doing. I hope it's emulated in other sectors, including among adults as well. And uh, I don't know if you ever saw the miniseries, uh, The Plot Against America. It's ri- written by a, uh, it's based on a Philip Roth book, a novel. Mm. And one of the subplots, it, not necessarily to do with the main part of it, but it is interesting, is that there is something like this that is rolled out in a an alternative version of 1930s America. Uh, it's called huh. The just folks program and in that in that miniseries they send urban Jewish children to live with um, rural Gentile children, and a couple of the families profiled in this do seem to get a lot of benefit. I realize that's fiction, but as I'm listening to you describe what you're hoping to do, it did remind me uh, of that. Um, David, thank you so much. I hope we can do this again. I'd love that, Frank. Thanks for having me. All right. Uh, David McCullough III, you can uh, check out what uh, the American Exchange Project is up to by going to AmericanExchangeProject.org. That's AmericanExchangeProject.org. Comments, questions, thoughts, 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222. Straight ahead. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.